0: This is the Cinema for All podcast A celebration of going to the cinema With Jack Chell and Abby Standish Welcome back to the Cinema for All podcast. We're back with another really fun episode for you to enjoy today. So, this is the second episode of a sort of mini series that we're making about what community cinemas and independent cinemas, as well as distributors and everybody who's part of the cinema industry, are doing to stay connected whilst we're in lockdown. If you haven't already, you can go back and check out our first episode in this mini series, which is all about online film clubs and features some wonderful audio clips from community cinemas sharing their story on bringing great films to everyone. So we've been sent two lovely clips this time. One is from CineCCC who are based in Chile and we're hearing about what they are doing to stay connected with their audiences during this time. And then our second clip is from Lee Film Society who are doing amazing work to make sure that vulnerable people, um, elderly members of their audiences are still able to access amazing films during this really difficult time for everybody, especially if you're on your own. So this is Alejandro and it's also Elizabeth.
1: Hello, my name is Alejandro, I work in CCC, a neighborhood cinema center in Santiago, Chile. As a cinema house for art movies, we had our whole year planned around doing screenings in our center and some workshops and other activities. And now with the COVID situation, it has been a challenge but we have taken it as such, and we want to do something different so that we can still reach our our audience and in doing this we have discovered many things uh... for example that we can do a lot of stuff online that we should have been doing from before this happened uh... we are doing live storytelling for kids on our instagram we just launched a short, short, short film festival centered around love and toilet paper. And we're just thinking about different ways in which we can be together through all of this and help create culture.
2: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Costello from Lee Film Society. During the COVID lockdown, uh, we still wanted to keep community cinema out there. We were aware of the the number of people who are vulnerable and, and living alone, and we wanted to share our vast collection of DVDs. We put an appeal out that if there was anybody who wanted to make contact and uh, we would deliver a bag of uh, their preferences. This has become quite successful. We were surprised with the number of requests we received, so much so we put an appeal out for donations of DVDs. What we do is we bag up preferences, uh, maybe about six to eight DVDs, and we put a bar of chocolate in the bag or a bag of popcorn, and then we deliver and leave on the doorstep. There's no contact whatsoever. We receive the requests via Facebook, Twitter, and our local council will send emails to us of people on their vulnerable list. The project is supported by Forever Manchester. It's been a great success, so much so we've expanded the the delivery now and we've made contact with local schools uh, so that they can deliver DVDs to uh, primary school children who are uh, socially isolated. Um, Care homes as well, we've been delivering bags of classics to the care homes. And also, we've been working uh, in partnership with a group called Everything Human Rights, and we've been li- delivering um, DVDs to uh, their refugee groups. So as you can see, that the, the project was much bigger than what we anticipated, but it's our way of giving back during this terrible crisis that we're all living under and if that's it's keeping film out there in our community and sharing cinema escapism which is something that we do champion at Lee Film Society one thing it has highlighted to us is the number of people who are not online or can afford Netflix or Prime Um, that's give us something to think about but for now um, it's bye for now and love from Lee Film Society take care everybody
3: It's amazing to hear what cinemas all over the world are doing at the moment, super inspiring. And if you wanna send us a clip about what you're doing, just about a minute long, send it to jay, jay, at cinemaforall.org.uk. We'd love to hear from you. So this week we're focusing on digital releases and what distributors have been doing during this time. Because due to COVID-19, physical cinema spaces have had to close their doors temporarily, which is such a shame. But there's so many distributors coming up with really wonderful ways to still tend to these great film releases and bring them to you on digital platforms. Hosting digital movie premieres, Q&As, all sorts of great stuff. So do stay tuned for what we've got in store for you. So if you're a film fan and you want to set up your own community cinema or online film club during these times, after listening go to cinemaforall.org.uk or get in touch to find out how to get started. We will help you! Now, with all these shiny digital releases of brand new films, as well as a huge selection of films from every decade that we can watch on all these different platforms, we have definitely been watching a lot of films. So, Jack, what have you been watching since we last spoke?
0: Oh, well, I I think I spoke about the Vengeance trilogy a little bit last time and I'd not watched the last one at that point, but now I have. I watched Lady Vengeance, which I think is called Sympathy for, for Lady Vengeance in some countries. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. But I think... It's funny how I think these films have become quite dated quite quickly. I think that the kind of the violence in them, which, you know, I'm a fan of violence in film. I'm not somebody who's squeamish about these things. But it just felt like for the sake of it, it didn't really feel like there was much point to it. Any kind of point was very like heavy handed, like, Oh, do you see do you see this? And (laughs) I just I mean it was fine. I liked it, but it was something that I don't think would hold up very well now. Um, I also watched The Servant, which is another movie film, um, which is not a film I'd heard of before. It's by a director called Joseph Losey. There's a bit of a mini season of Joseph Losey films on movie at the moment. And it's got Dirk Bogard in it, who um, is just such a phenomenal actor. I think he's very known for the Doctor films. He was a bit of a heartthrob for those Doctor films, um, especially in the UK, which is really widely known. But he's also got this body of independent film work that he's just sensational in. I've talked about Victim before on the podcast, which is one of my favourite films, and he's incredible in that. Um, and he plays sort of quite an upper-class lawyer. In this one, he plays a working class housekeeper kind of a butler um and he's got this incredibly brilliant manchester accent it's just spot on for sort of 60s mancunian It's really fantastic. And I think it's it's a film that's a lot about class tensions. Um, It's something that if it weren't for the kind of servant-master relationship would be a really, really relevant film now. I think it would really... um, all, All the class tensions in it are still very relevant. And it's just really great. The performances are just absolutely spot on. I think it's on MUBI for a couple more days. So if you do get the chance to see it, please do. And all the other Joseph Losey films that are on MUBI. But... Gosh, Dirk Bogard, like, is absolutely blown my socks off. And I just want to watch him in loads more independent films. And he had such a fascinating life as well. In the war, he was uh, one of the first people, um, sort of part of the army that liberated Belson, uh, which left him with these terrible, terrible traumatic memories that he wrote about later in life. Um, just absolutely fascinating individual, really, who never made it in Hollywood really, in the same kind of way that he was very, very famous in the UK. Um, but just, just, yeah, an absolute superstar in my eyes.
3: Oh, good choice. And um, Danny Lee was talking about that in the uh, working class cinema conversation at um, Off The Shelf Festival. And he used it as an example in the scene where they're on the landing and they kind of have a altercation. Um, yeah, just fantastic film. And I think the even the lighting in that film is saying a lot about the hierarchical
0: stuff but yeah great choice absolutely oh, i loved it to bits it was just one of those films that you watch kind of with your mouth open you're just like oh, i can't believe where, where this is going it was just great really really fantastic um what else i watched i re-watched one of my favorite films of all time it's probably my favorite film of all time wild at heart the david lynch film um which i think now is the time to watch your favorite films really isn't it like Totally. You just got to do a rewatch things that make you feel cosy I mean it's a weird film to say makes you feel cosy because um, again it's got some really grim things in it a lot of violence um, and it's just it's just so bonkers but I, again a film that I just watched with a massive grin on my face um, and, and a I probably loved it even more watching it now. It's, it's one of my favorite films to the extent that I don't want to overwatch it. I don't want to watch it again and again. I want to like, yeah. live, leave a good seven to 10 years in between watching. So this is a film that I've not watched for, for 10 years, but was still my favorite. Um, it's incredible. Laura Dern, like just so glad that she's having her, her moment, you know, and everybody can see and she's just won her Oscar and she's just been that good quality from day one. And one of the things that I love about Wild at Heart is that her mum's in it, Diane Ladd. And it's fantastic to see that a lot of the... The cadences that you see in Laura Dern's modern portrayals or modern performances are very Diane Ladd, especially in that film where Diane Ladd plays like a very over the top melodramatic character. It's very based on melodrama Um, and it's, it's really wonderful to look back at some of her more recent performances like in Marriage Story and just see that, just see Diane Ladd really come through in it.
3: Oh, well, that's amazing! Yeah, well, she comes from such an interesting film actor family, yeah. um. But yeah, you're right. From day one, she's been brilliant, and this um, extra kind of renaissance. Even though there was there was nothing to improve, yeah. it's nice to see she she's um she's got that. I'm going to mention her in a moment. Cause she's she had a cameo in a film I watched um as
0: well. Just just love it a bit. Um, and I also watched Red Dragon, which is sort of an odd one, because I think all three of us, you, me and producer Jay, are people that are absolutely obsessed with Silence of the Lambs. Um, mm-hmm. We probably mention it daily um, and you probably do your impression Weekly. Thank <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm, bit, I'm when, missing when that it's... very much while we're in isolation, actually. I'm missing the Science of the Lambs content. Uh, very important. <laughs> um, but I'd not seen Red Dragon before. I'd seen Hannibal, which is crap, really. It's not very good. Um, but you know, you're just hankering for another connection with a film that you really love. And you think, well, even if it's rubbish, I'd like to spend a bit of time in that space again. Um, so that's that's the main reason I watched it but it's directed by Brett Ratner like how can you even compare Brett Ratner to Jonathan Demme it just you, this is a Jonathan Demme fan podcast now <laughs> it just absolutely is um, and so you can see him just desperately trying to recreate moments um, and the big difference for me is that I think that the way that Ed Norton plays Will Graham who's who's appeared in, in quite a different quite a few different iterations at this point um he's just so dumb (laughs) he's just stupid and Clarice was never stupid and I don't think they're trying to make Will Graham seems stupid but it doesn't give the audience enough credit and you've solved it at the beginning of the film you're like why are they still trying to figure this out it's so frustrating it's so frustrating um and it just absolutely lacks the quality and the nuance of silence of the lambs it was it was uh you know i expected it to be a disappointment but at least i did enjoy being in that world again and it is it does really try and recreate a lot of those moments it recreates a lot of um the sets and it brings back some of the actors as well Um, but yeah, I mean again, like during lockdown, you can kind of watch anything. It doesn't matter. It's not like your time's <laughs> it's not like your time is as precious. It's not like you've wasted time if you've watched a film for two hours and it was crap, but it made you think of, you know, a film that you absolutely love. So it doesn't trouble me too much that I that I wasted my time on Red Dragon. And, you know, Ray Fiennes is actually very good in it. Um, it's a very physical performance and it's not necessarily something I've seen him do in that way.
3: Yeah, it's good casting for him, I think. Mm. I think, yeah, I've never been that bothered about the Red Dragon side of the... I, I I, do like... I do think the story's interesting, but I don't think many of the portrayals are very, very good of it. No. So, um, I'm more of the Clarice, Science of the Lambs um, side of things. But, yeah, I know what you mean about that world-building thing, about you just want to be in that world and you'll, you'll give anything a go just to be in it for a second. And I think that's testament to some directors are. I mean, all directors are responsible for this, but that world-building side of things, and Jonathan Demi is just so good at, at world-building, mm. um, and which, which is, you know, one of the best parts of Silence of the Lambs. And I feel like Catherine Hardwick is a good director that can do that, because even with a film like Twilight, which she kicked off that kind of massive franchise, and it's got a very, uh, you know, a, a, a very clear audience for that, but she made it look feel like um one of her films but also gave you a great idea about what this world was like and she does it in 13 and Lords of Dogtown and yeah I just think some directors are so good at that obviously it's partly the art director and everything that can do that but yeah I love that
0: yeah I um, guess it's hard to move away from a world that's been built so iconically and um but I think with Brett Ratner he's not interested in making his mark or taking the film anywhere different. Although he does take it in a very rat, Ratner way in which the female characters are just just not very fleshed out, not very explored. And after you've had such an iconic character as Clarice, portrayed by Jodie Foster, oh, it's such a letdown. But, you know, yeah. I'll just watch Science of the Lambs in a couple of days. <laughs> I'll get out of my system, <laughs> yeah. just rewatch that... my favourite film, one of my favourite films instead.
3: That'll do it. Well quite a range you've watched there.
0: Sure. What have you been watching?
3: Um well I rewatched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. She is
0: on fire. <laughs> um
3: because it is amazing and I've been wanting to rewatch it for a while. And I just really wanted again about that world building, I just want to be enveloped in the sounds and the visuals of that film. It's like a painting. The sea sounds like breathing. It's just it's just incredible. It did make me miss seeing it at the cinema, just because mm. it's so visually beautiful. Um, again, and again, what the great thing about a cinema is is that you can it, It's just darkness and that massive screen and the sound coming at you. But it was still so wonderful to watch it. And so yeah, um, it was it was really really great to rewatch. Mm. And then I also watched a film called Thunder Road which came out, I think, um, at the end of last year, and mm-hmm. it's like um, a dark comedy, it's kind of sold as, um, about this cop who, who's a small-town cop um, and he's having a few difficulties in his life, but it's just really great to watch. It's just a really wonderful kind of character study, Um I really, really enjoyed it. And there's mm. bits that are really funny and there's bits that are emotional. And it was a quite wet, good way to kind of, I don't know, expunge some of the emotions inside. <laughs> so many emotions. Watching it. Yeah, so I really liked that. Uh, watch Good Time. You'll be pleased to sp- hear uh, big Zafty Bro fans Definitely. in the podcast house. Um, and I thought it was great. Thought that uh, Robert Pattinson puts in an amazing performance. It's complete transformation. I thought again, great world building. Uh, yeah, loved it. Thought it was brilliant.
0: You can, sorry, this is gross, but you can smell him. Like oh he yeah, looks yeah so, yeah yeah. He looks so grimy, and so oh yeah,
3: he smells like barbecue sauce. He absolutely like, stinks. In a boys' dorm.
0: Like a smelly shell suit.
3: <sighs> yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> oh. but but so good. His accent was great. The music and it's brilliant. Just just loved it. Yeah, got a woo from Jay there. He's a big Good Time fan. A
0: little woo from Jay. I, I wanted to start Jay. with Good
3: Time before I go into Uncut Gems, but that is an excellent list. Uh, I also watched um, Ama, which is the digital release um, from Mubi. Oh, nice. Uh, it's a Pablo Lorraine's new film. And the cinematography is stunning. Like, every single shot is just so well made, um. as is the soundtrack is really, really good. It's got like a reggaeton soundtrack, which you kind of learn a bit more about that music uh, in the film. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil it mm. because it's getting a special premiere release where everybody can join a movie, which is happening today, first of May, the day we're recording. But, yeah, really interesting to see what people think of it. Interesting way of, like, developing the story in the way that it kind of unravels. Um, but yeah, it was a very great visual pleasure to watch.
0: Oh amazing. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Like yeah, like you say, today's the first of May that we're recording. So um I'm gonna take part in it and there's a there's a Q and A. It's just it looks really fun and it's really exciting to see people doing innovative and different things around new releases because it's just such a shame so many films are um we just don't want them to get lost in this era, really. It's important that new content is still getting out there, um, but things could easily get lost in the sea of things that are being released. So it's really good to do something special with something in particular. And, you know, Paolo Lorraine, he's a big director. He's, he had a big English language film, Jackie, uh, a couple of years ago that um, had some Oscar buzz around it. It was starring Natalie Portman, Um it's nice to see him going back to Gail Garcia Bernal, so I'm excited about it.
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: Wait, which was the film that you, uh, Laurie Dern, was in?
3: Oh, I forgot to mention it. I think it might be the fa- well, one of the favourite of the lot I watched. Actually, I watched a lot of good films, but yeah, it was Wild, which I didn't think oh, yeah. she was in. I didn't know she was in it. So it's Wild, the Reese with a Spoon um, story, which is based on a true story of a woman who hikes the Pacific Crest trail from the borders of Mexico to Canada, which is this huge, huge hike, Um, and each kind of bit reveals a bit more about her past and why she was there, and Laura Dern plays her mum, and she's barely in it, but she puts in, like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it, she puts in this incredible performance, which, again, I just can't handle Laura Dern playing a mum, like, she does in Little Women, she always Mm. just makes them these really wonderful Fully realized people, which I don't think a lot of like mum characters get in film all the time, I and mean, that's obviously down to the writing and obviously the story it's based on as well. But Laura Dern just shines, um, like she's literally like glowing from the screen to me. Uh, I feel all her warmth, I feel all her history, um, and she just puts in this incredible performance as does Reese and then recently well maybe about a month ago Reese Witherspoon put a photo on her Instagram of her hiking in a social distancing way from Laura Dern I think they must live near each other and and it was just the sweetest picture and then it now has this new meaning now I've watched Wild which is about hiking Uh, but I really really enjoyed the film I didn't expect much of it but um I found it I'm really enjoying films that take you on a very physical journey at the moment as mm-hmm. well as an emotional one seeing as we can't leave our houses at the moment and I think it's just a really wonderful way to travel and it feels like you've like looked through a lovely photo album or read all these postcards from these characters wow. so yeah I've just thoroughly enjoyed it going to read the book
0: well, that that's such an interesting point abby because I hadn't really thought about how we can use films to make us feel connected to our bodies because I feel a bit dissociated from my body at the moment. I feel like it's just this slug that stays in one place and I don't really feel like my body stretched down to my fingertips and stretched down to my toes. So that's that's a really good tip. I'm going to watch some more physical films and see if that helps me yeah, stretch into my body a little
3: bit. Nice, <laughs> nice. It is quite a good point because it, it, it's very good at making you physically feel what she feels like. Uh, and the frustration she feels and yeah that was one of my favorite bits about it and the kind of funny moments of those moments where you're on your own and something happens like I don't know you walk into a room and you somehow spill all your cereal everywhere but no one's here to see it and only you have to clean it up and oh. you have to live with the frustration slash the comedy of that um in the same way like I don't know if you slip or stub your toe and I, I really really find those bits in films really interesting of characters alone and experiencing that loneliness in a comedic way or just a very visceral way so yeah great great for that
0: (laughs) I'm spilling a lot of things and I'm stubbing my toe a lot right now
3: (laughs) I the other morning I woke up and I well I went to put the kettle on I put the oat milk in the kettle and Went to pour some water into a glass of drink, spilled it everywhere, but you know when you spill it, so like it goes down all the front of the drawers of the kitchen, so every drawer you have to open to wipe the water away. (laughs) I've got my sock in the water. That's just like me on a daily basis normally, but it just feels more (laughs) annoying now.
1: It
0: is. Oh.
3: (laughs) Anyway, should we get into our proper segment?
0: Yeah, let's move on from how we're physically klutzes, yeah, <laughs> onto our actual segment today, which is digital releases and what distributors are doing during this lockdown time to keep us entertained and keep us connected to each other as audiences.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and it's been really exciting to see what what distributors have done and still made it a very active experience. Because something I am miss, the thing I miss most, other than seeing my loved ones, is. Going to the cinema, that's my favourite kind of thing to do. Um, and it feels like a l- wonderful freedom. But mm. I think it's really nice to have that kind of excitement about a new film coming out from a digital release. So, yeah. Mubi's done a 24-hour digital premiere of um, of Emma, which, which we've mentioned, with a and a with um, Pablo Loren, which is super exciting. Modern Films have introduced a way to donate a portion of their digital sales of a brand new film to an independent cinema of your choice, which I think is fantastic. I think what a wonderful way to still include cinemas. Mm. And the fact that distributors really feel a sense of um, partnership a lot of the time and... um, you know collaboration, which it is, uh, and Curzon and the BFI have been running Q and A's with cast and crew after screenings, which has had a really amazing response. And maybe some films are getting a bit more of a wider audience, just a bit more love mm. from this kind of concentrated digital release, because it's not kind of clouded by you know how many weeks it can have at a cinema, and you know if you're free that day and time to go and see it.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's such an interesting. This is quite boring. But from like a business perspective, it's quite interesting in terms of how does a film recoup its costs? If it's, um, you know, people have made these films before before the pandemic happened. So they've been made with a big budget. They've been made with a budget in mind where co- costs will be recouped from having a theatrical release and at the moment there's not much that really compares to having your film do well theatrically and i was reading this month's sight and sound which um tackles a lot of this is actually a really excellent edition if people can get a copy of sight and sound you can get it delivered you can get a subscription um there are a lot of the sort of the, the million dollar and up films the blockbustery type films are just going to make a loss they just can't recoup their sales really um on a digital platform, but the independent films, the films that have been made on a much smaller budget, have really got an opportunity to widen an audience there. And I think it's um, it can be taste-widening as well. We can get to see films that we perhaps wouldn't normally see. um, Because you can be a bit choosy with what you go and see at the cinema a lot of the time, It's, it's not... It's not the cheapest thing in the world to go to the cinema again and again and again. so having these things available in our homes is something that might be more financially available to us. Um, but there's you know there's been some controversy definitely with the bigger films and the bigger commercial screens. I don't know if you've heard about this trolls thing, Abby
3: no uh, just a headline but 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 please enlighten me because i am intrigued
0: so trolls world tour which is the follow-up to trolls <laughs> which was an animated film that i think did okay it's really bonkers to me that trolls have come back when i was a kid i used to collect <laughs> troll dolls you know with the hair um yeah. and i was always convinced that if i saved them they'll be worth something one day and i got rid of them probably about five years ago when my dad moved house um and I don't regret it because I still don't think that they're worth anything but it's yeah it's bonkers to me that trolls are back Um, anyway Universal are the distributor for this and when lockdown happened they just decided to go go straight to video on demand and they didn't consult um, the cinema chains that they would traditionally work with Um, so cinema chains would normally there would be a theatrical window where the film would be just available inside the cinema and they would make hopefully a lot of money for the film and then later on it would be available on demand or on DVD or in different formats um once it's made the chunk the biggest chunk of its money in a commercial screen. Um, but they just went ahead and put it on video and demand, didn't consult the chains, and some of the chains have been really quite cross about it. So the film itself has made a lot of money and it's made a lot of money really, really quickly and probably made more money than a, sort of a, a bit of an odd animation would have made theatrically. And I think that's because it was quite a high price for Video On Demand, and it's a children's film, and we all know that kids watch again and again and again, and you you buy the film to watch once, so you would be watching... I think I saw a tweet, I think it was from Charles Gant today, that said that he'd heard of a family that had bought it for their kids four times, and it's £16 <gasps> a pop. So that's why it's making money because they're, they're literally kids just want it again and again and you're paying more than you would ever pay for it on DVD and more than you would probably pay for it to go and see at the cinema. Um, so they've posted huge numbers for it. They're like, it's one of the biggest films of all time, but it's just such an odd time and odd moment. Um, AMC, who are the American cinema chain that own A- Odeon have come out and said that they will never work with Universal ever again because of Whoa. this because of this breaking of the theatrical window. And I've seen I think it was yesterday I saw that Cineworld are are pretty, pretty angry about it as well. Mainly because of the lack of communication that's come from Universal on this. Um so it's just like it's just a fascinating time to see what's happening to the traditional model of cinema. There's um, so a lot of conversation happening in this month's Sight and Sound about what will change when we go back to screening films publicly. Will we? Will prices be different? Will seating be different? Seating will probably will probably be socially distanced. Um, and will the window be shattered? What What will happen there? Will people continue to release things video on demand? And is it comparable? Will Will uh big budget movies be able to recoup their costs? Will we start to see an influx of lower budget movies that will be able to recoup their costs on the video on demand platform? It's, it's really fascinating to see. Um, it's very sad, but it's really fascinating to see our industry change rapidly. And respond to changes really, really quickly, and and try and continue as an industry that recoups costs because we want to make sure that artists, uh, and writers and directors, people that have been involved in making films, um, continue to be recompensed for what they've put into things.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Movie making is a very long, laborious, intense, um art form to make something mm. um and it's kind of like you know Sunday dinner it takes you all day all day to make but like 10 minutes to eat and you know we get to consume the film in two hours but you know so much painstaking work's gone into it before that point mm. and with all the distribution and marketing and everything so yeah it is a very interesting time I guess just keep our keep our eyes
0: peeled yeah yeah but I think that the independents are doing some of the most interesting stuff with it really to make sure that they Keep connecting with audiences on a community level. I think like a big, massive global release, like something like Trolls World Tour, is not about building a community. It's not about um, expanding people's film education. Um, so I think that that's, I think, I think the, what the independents are doing is something that will change the model for good as in uh, in a good way um i'm really excited to see what some of the people have been doing and we've asked some of our partner distributors some of the people that we've worked with to send us in little sound bites to let us know a bit more about what their plans are and how they've been changed by the pandemic and what they're doing to just keep independent cinema afloat and on our screens during this really difficult time
3: Yeah, definitely. And it's been so lovely to hear it from their perspective. Uh, And we're really, really, really pleased to share their stories with you today. So we'll roll clip.
4: Hi, Cinema for All podcast. Bryony from Altitude here. used to work at Cinema for All and regular listeners will know Jack and I still have a hotly contested awards prediction battle every year, which I think I'm winning. Sorry, Jack. So Altitude, we released Calm With Horses just a few days before cinemas started shutting. So we've turned it into a digital release which came out on the 27th of April. It's got amazing reviews and we did a Curzon Q&A which is still up on their YouTube if you want to hear from director Nick Rowland, some of the cast and the composer Blank Mass. Coming up, we also have a digital release of The Days of the Bagnold Summer on June the 8th. It's a directorial debut of Simon Bird from The In Between Us, based on a graphic novel and with a score from Scottish legends Belle and Sebastian. It stars Nick Cave's son Earl, who is joined by the likes of Rob Bryden, Tim Key, and Alice Lowe. And it tells the story of a teenager stuck in the house with his mum all summer, so it feels very appropriate right now. At least they didn't turn to TikTok in the film. Hope you're all keeping safe, and um, I'll see you in a cinema soon.
5: Hello, I'm John Seal. I'm the producer-director of the documentary The Teachers' Protest. It's the remarkable story of how, in World War II, Norwegian teachers refused to teach a Nazi curriculum that was imposed upon them by, by the Nazi government. Eventually, a thousand of them were arrested and they were sent to concentration camps 300 miles above the Arctic Circle. They held out, resisted, and in the end... The Nazi government backed down and the Nazi curriculum was never taught in Norwegian schools. Audiences are really moved by the story and, as I was when I first came across it, they're amazed that they've never heard this story before. A story that tells us of the power of passive resistance and protest. The film has been shown um, extensively throughout Europe and, and the USA so now we're offering the film through Cinema For All to audiences in a, in a new way. The idea is that your film club or education establishment or, or group can book the film. You get a password which is shared uh, to your members and valid for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, there's an online Q&A with the director or, and others uh, involved in the film. The question and answers is specific to your group, so only your members will be uh, on uh, involved and they can ask questions, discuss issues, and there's always a lot of discussion after the film, and of course share their thoughts with each other uh, about the film. We really hope you'd like to try this new opportunity. Like everyone, we're trying to come up with new ways of being together, uh, maintaining a sense of community and society in these strange and rather isolated times. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'd like to book the film. If you'd like to find out more about the film, you can visit the website, theteachersprotest.com. Thanks very much for listening.
3: So MUBI also sent us a lovely email with what they're doing. They said, with cinemas closed in most countries, we wanted to support EMA, and make it available to as many people as possible. So we showed it simultaneously in 60 countries for 24 hours on Movie for free. We were really pleased in what we achieved for the film, and Emma is now showing on Movie in 55 countries and is performing really well. So for any, for any listeners out there that want to check uh, Emma out, go to moviecom forward slash Emma.
6: Hi, Cinema 4 Podcast. This is James Collie from Violet Pictures here in Rainy Folkestone um i'm sorry if you can hear any squawking seagulls behind me they're a bit loud this time of day i'm sorry about that here at Up pictures we distribute feature documentaries in cinemas around the country and also online with our partners MUBI and Curzon Home Cinema we're also very fortunate to program a monthly documentary club at the Folkestone Quarterhouse which has been fantastic since we launched it last September, building a community of documentary lovers here in Folkestone. And after each screening, we have a QA, and um, a either via Skype or live, just to really you know thrash out what people thought of the film and have a good chat about it, which has been great. Um, one of the biggest things I miss because of the current situation, the pandemic, is the fact that I don't get to see audiences in person. So we decided that we still wanted to show films and, and connect with the community here in Folkestone. Um, so we launched on the 8th of April, a online film club with the Folkestone Quarterhouse, starting with Recorder, the Marion Stokes project, which looks at Marion's long running project of recording 30 years of television in the US, um, which went down really, really well. Um, Following the screening, we had a Facebook Live with the director, Matt Wolf, which his, was his first experience of that. And he was fantastic. He was a host and took questions from the audience and the comments. We had one of our young programmers that we work with in partnership with Film Hub Southeast moderate the comments. And it was really fantastic. He seemed to really enjoy it. The um, comments were all positive And that's kind of really pushed us on to do more because Folkestone Quarterhouse is a really loved venue in Folkestone and just kind of going quiet, going dark is quite a sad thing. So it's nice that there's still events for online film clubs there, um, which is fantastic. Uh, We've got two screenings coming up. We're showing Portrait to Lady on Fire. Um, Not a doc, but a fantastic film on the 30th of April. And then following that, we're showing The Kingmaker, the Imelda Marcos film on the 14th of May. Um, Both have Facebook Live events on the Creative Folkestone Facebook page if you want to join in. And all the details are there. And um, yeah, it's been been lovely. And we're going to continue it until we can all be together again in, in the dark in the cinema. All right, take care. Be safe.
3: Oh, it's just been so good to hear about all the different ways that distributors are kind of keeping connected, and it's so audience focused as well, which I, I really love. Um, and there's just a one—it brings you closer to all these filmmakers and all this amazing insight with the Q and As or just an early release. And it's something great to chat about with your friends or kind of organize a group watch. I just think it's um, been really impressive how fast that's happened as well.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot of talk about sort of smashing the theatrical window and breaking down the barrier of the theatrical window but I think what's really interesting is that we're breaking down the barrier between filmmakers and audiences and putting them really in front of each other it's quite rare that you would get a filmmaker along to a screening unless you've got loads of budget or they're on tour but this is us connecting with the filmmakers directly and getting to ask them questions and understand more about the filmmaking process and it's just nicer whilst we're all in isolation to just bring us all that one step closer together. Yeah, definitely. So if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what your community cinema or your independent cinema is doing during this time, please send us a voice clip of about a minute long to jay at cinemaforall.org.uk and we'll do our best to share everyone's story here on the podcast each time.
3: If you like the Cinema 4 podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really means a lot and helps us find new audiences as well. Share it on social media or just tell your pals about it. It really does go a long way. But for now, it's time to roll credits. Producer, Jay Platt. Logo designed by Lydia Lipinski at Thoughts Make Things. Hosted by Jack
0: Chell and Abby Sandish with thanks to... Sydney CCC, Briony Altitude Releasing, Mubi, Lee Film Society, James from Violet Pictures, John Seal from The Teachers' Protest and Deborah Parker.
3: The Cinema For All podcast is supported by the BFI awarding funds from the National Lottery.
0: Thank you!